0: Just a little heads up to let you know that this episode contains some swearing.
1: No
0: Hello, I'm Rebecca.
1: And I'm Gary.
0: And welcome to episode 32 of Choose Film, a real retrospective podcast where we take a deep dive into a random film chosen by our guest host. Each season we will pick a particular theme and this theme is cop thrillers. Today we are joined by the lovely David McKay who has decided, <laughs> who has decided that on this episode we will be taking a look at the film Seven. So, David, thank you very much for joining us, and thank you for kicking off this new. Thank theme. you
2: very much for having me. I'm very excited.
0: <laughs> Can you tell us all a little bit about yourself?
2: Yes, of course. So my name is David McKnight now. It used to be David Platt, but due to equity rules, I am David McKnight and I um, previously went to Langside College, which is where I know Rebecca. And I am now currently studying for my BA at New College, Lanarkshire, in acting and performance.
0: Good, good, perfect. So why did you pick seven?
2: I picked Seven because um, I'd actually never seen the film before, and I'd always wanted to see it. It's one of those things I was like, right, you have to get it in. There must be more to it than the what's in the box scene. There's a whole film before that. Uh, and I just decided to pick it for the once you said cop fillers. It was one of the first things that came into my head. And I thought, right, I have to pick this film. We have to finally watch this, David. And um, I'm glad that I'm doing it under these circumstances.
0: Perfect. no it is a really good film what did you think of the film Gary?
1: Yeah I think it's really interesting David I think you're the first guest that has picked a film that they've not seen to come on and talk about so this, this is going to be really exciting because usually someone yeah. will pick a favourite of theirs yeah. for me um, this film can do absolutely no wrong yeah. except have Kevin Spacey in it um, but <laughs> other than that this to me is yeah it's 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 10 out of 10 it's a masterpiece like david Mm. fincher is my favorite director this isn't my favorite film but this is my favorite director's film no i'll go say that again this is uh, my favorite film by my favorite director Mm. yeah i just i love it from start to finish it's excellent yeah. it's, it's excellent my mum and dad had always told me how great it was and
2: oh you need to watch it you need to watch it and everyone I've met just really likes it and oh, the whole way through the film I was messaging them on the, the like the family group chat going wow this is amazing this is such a good film oh this bit do you remember that bit do you remember this bit and they were like yes David we've we've seen it it's good yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> no it is it's brilliant and um I'm really glad that you um pick this one as well because it is one of my favorite kind of cop thrillers and i feel like every time i watch it it feels fresh like i don't watch it all the time but every time i watch it i'm it's like the the exact same kind of ride of like i've seen it before so i know what's going to happen but it's still like really enjoyable i it always feels like i'm watching it for the first time i don't know that's a bit strange i've not really said felt that way mostly about films but um
1: I think it's also because the film is so bleak and so grim that it's a film you don't want to watch all the time. So then when you do go back to it, you're like, this is amazing.
0: Mm -hmm. David, what did you rate the film out of 10? I gave it
1: just simply because I would
2: have given it more than this, but I thought... Would be a bit boring if I just said ten, and then that would be it. Uh, I gave uh, I gave it uh, eight and a half. I went with. I was going to go for. I was going to go for seven and be ironic, but then I thought, no, it's it's better than that.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm definitely going to at least move you up to a nine by the end of this. I think I, I think you will. To be honest, I can see that happening.
0: <laughs> what did you rate it then, Gary?
1: Oh, it's ten out of ten. Oh wow. 10, ten out of ten. I can't I can't I can't flaw the film at all. Like everything is a piece of art in this film. Like it is really good, isn't perform- it? It's my favourite Morgan Freeman performance and probably my favourite Brad Pitt performance as well. Ooh, oh that's very
2: interesting.
1: <laughs> I, I, I've got a whole bit on
2: Morgan Freeman that I'll go into at some point. I just think he's excellent yeah. in it.
0: Do you know, it's really close to the 10 as well. So I'm going to score it a bit lower and then I'm probably by the end of this we'll always say in 10s. um, I'm going to give it a Um, Mm 9.5. Like you've both said, I just think it's just a brilliant film to watch. And I've said on the podcast a few times, um, my mum is one of these people that will forget she's seen a film. (laughs) Um, And also she'll maybe fall asleep towards the end and she was awake from start to finish all the way through this and really enjoyed it. So I'm like, well, that's a really good sign.
1: <laughs> did your did your mum forget she had seen Seven? Yeah. Oh, wow. How, how is that humanly possible? <laughs> Listen, she's some woman.
0: It always feels like a new film when I watch it. Maybe that's because whenever I watch it, my mum is sitting beside me going, I don't think I've seen this. I don't think I've seen this. <laughs> so, but yeah. I thought we could give our listeners at home a little synopsis. When retiring police detective William Somerset, Morgan Freeman, tackles a final case with the aid of newly transferred David Mills, Brad Pitt, they discover a number of elaborate and grisly murders. They soon realise they are dealing with a serial killer, Kevin Spacey, who is targeting people he thinks represent one of the seven deadly sins. Somerset also befriends Mills' wife, Tracy, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, who is pregnant and afraid to raise her child in the crime-riddled city. So, let's get started.
1: Detective William Somerset is looking for a way out.
0: You're retiring. Six more days and you're all the way
1: gone. So how long have you lived here? Too long. Detective David Mills is looking for a way in. We'll be spending every waking hour together from now until the time I leave. I'll show you who your friends and enemies are.
2: They're caught in a game.
1: No fingerprints. No witnesses of any kind.
2: Nope. About the only thing we know about that guy
1: right now is he's totally insane. Where the price of sin is death. There are seven deadly sins. Gluttony. You're going to come take a look at this? Greed. No one touches anything. Sloth. Wrath, pride, lust, and envy. Seven. You can expect five more of these. Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow. Have you ever seen anything like this? No.
2: Seven.
0: So... As you know, we'll now go round and share our three positive points. Um, Gary, do you want to go with your first point?
1: Basically, my first point is what what's the meaning of this film? And I basically think this film is questioning your outlook on life and it mm-hmm. does it through a great contrast of characters, i.e. Somerset, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt's Mills. So you've got Somerset and if you even just look at the opening scene, he lives alone, he's no family, but everything has a place in his home. It's got its own spot, he's so meticulous, and he's well-dressed, there's no creases. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Mills, who is scruffy, but he's got a wife. He struggles to find his clothes when he gets up. Mm-hmm. He's still got crust in his eyes, he doesn't even shower. And then if you look at their points of view in the world, Mouse wants to save the world. He's young, excited, and energetic. He wants to be the hero. And uh, Mills actually fought to be transferred. He thinks he can fix the problem in this city. And then you've got Somerset, who's had enough. He's been there. He's been there too long. He's done all he can, and nothing has changed in his eyes. He basically wants to hang up the coat and escape the city.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If we take John Doe uh, as the serial killer, Mills thinks he's a psycho. Uh, but Somerset gives John Doe respect. Somerset wants off this case because he knows that this serial killer is clever, but Mills, he's like hungry for it, he wants it. Yeah. And with all that being said, the two of them question each other's morals. And there's one scene in particular that does that and it's in the bar scene. It's just after um the prostitute has been murdered with, you know, the oh, the, oh, the, the instrument. That is yeah, that So mm-hmm. the two of them are like traumatised after that and they're sitting in the bar and they're talking about like how somerset's like you know there's not going to be a happy ending to this case and mills just thinks there is and mills says something he says and i think this questions everything he says i don't think you're quitting because you believe these things i think you want to believe them because you're quitting and i mm. think that's really really interesting it's and because it's here that brad pitt's character gets through to morgan freeman because in the next scene he smashes up that pendulum that basically blocks out all the traffic noise and the screams and the cries of the city. That's the scene where Morgan then starts to believe that there is a wee bit of hope. Um, Mm -hmm. And you've also got Tracy, right, who basically is the one that brings them together. So they're complete contrast, and then she invites um, Somerset over for dinner. And it's after that they start to bond, start to... Mm-hmm. work work on this case together and basically, this is a long way for a shortcut, I know I'm rambling on here <laughs> um, but I think what this film is saying is the world is a shitty place and what are you going to do? Are you going to try and save it like Brad Pitt or are you going to wipe your hands with it like Morgan Freeman and it's it's funny because if you look at those characters right, and then compare them to John Doe mm-hmm. Somerset uh, Morgan Freeman's character and John Doe, they actually have the same outlook on life. They've both been tolerating this filth on the streets, but it's how they handle it that's different. Somerset yeah. just wants to escape it, and obviously John Doe like, wants to kill it. Wants um, to purify it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got Mills who wants to... like, He's like, oh, no, these people can be saved. In the end, it's like the world's craziness actually wins. Through, mm-hmm. through John Doe because it defeats Brad Pitt's character and only because Brad Pitt's character is defeated yeah. Morgan Freeman's character decides to stay yeah. and try and save the city and it takes almost Mills' life to be ripped from him for Somerset to have that hope in the world and there's obviously that famous line what is the famous line at the end? um the world is a beautiful place and it's worth fighting for I I agree with the second part So, yeah, that was a lot to take in. I'm sorry, um, (laughs) listeners. (laughs) Um, But I think there's a lot there, and it is basically... Yeah, there definitely Mm -hmm. is.
0: Very eloquently put.
2: (laughs) That's interesting that um, you answered one of my little nitpicks there. You were saying that um, Brad Pitt, David Mills, he gets transferred because he wants to really make a difference. The thing that... Mm -hmm. One of my little nitpicks was... I feel like that never really after the initial conversation. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it did, but I feel as if it never really got looked into too much after that point. But your point there about he's moving there because he's this brash, sort of naive cop who really wants to make a difference. That's actually answered that question for me. It makes a lot more sense in my head now because I thought I thought that's not gonna they're not gonna they're really not gonna bring this up again. But it had been answered. That's because of his yeah. ideals and what he wants to do.
1: If you look at the character of Tracy, uh, who, as we find out, is pregnant, the first person she tells is Morgan Freeman, not uh, not Brad Pitt's character. And mm-hmm. I think what that's saying as well is you've got a man here who puts his career before his family, yeah. here, and he's basically moved his family to this, this nasty side of the earth, basically. And, you know, the schools aren't safe. She's worried to raise a child in these mean streets but he's like well if I move here I can maybe save these streets I can make the world or this city a better place and that is pretty much what Morgan Freeman thinks is naive about him because yeah. he's been there so long and not been able to make a difference
0: and in a way he kind of bonds with Tracy over that because like if someone said I'm pregnant the normal reaction would be like oh, oh lovely that's, that's great news but he sort of matches this look of despair that she has of, oh, I'm so sorry that you're going to need to consider like having the baby raising it here, which I know is like not what you would want to do or what I would maybe want to do and that you're kind of stuck here. And she is very much like a beacon of like joy and hope and like Mm -hmm. her background and things. I mean, it's her that brings both of them together like even yeah. that part when um she calls Mills's office and he says oh she wants to speak to you and there's also a, there's like a moment of going how does she know why does she want to speak to him like you just imagine mills going home and going this bastard that I'm working with is so so frustrating blah 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 and it's almost as if she knows how to resolve the situation and is like I'll talk to him he's coming here for dinner and you'll both be great after it, and that is what happened.
1: I think also, though, you can you can look at it in two ways. I, I totally agree that is what it is, is I'm going to figure out who this person is that mm-hmm. my husband's taken over from, and also is it that she's lonely? Like she does say, she knows oh, no yeah, one totally. in it, and it, it almost gives her this connection, and I think Somerset and Tracy, they have this immediate connection but this platonic connection uh and she just sees something i actually think she sees what she's not got her husband and that's almost this family man even though somerset doesn't have a family do you and- think yeah I, I know what gary's yeah. saying
2: yeah because she because she's sorry to interrupt but she kind of says at one point she says how are you when they're sitting having a drink right before the, the train the subway goes through the flat and it starts shaking she goes how are you not married? How can you not be married? She's obviously, yeah. she sees something in him that she'd sort of wants in a husband. And also when she phones him to meet at the diner, my head yeah. immediately went to, oh my God, she wants to have an affair. That's where I went oh, yeah. to, I thought, oh, she's really, <laughs> she's really taking this to the next level. Obviously that's not what happens, but I think yeah. she, there's a certain admiration in her eyes when she's speaking to him. And I think it's a sort of something that she wants from him.
1: There's that scene as well in the in the diner and um, she she obviously finds out that there was a chance that Morgan Freeman's character could have been a dad and the reason Morgan Freeman didn't want to do it is because of how nasty the city is. He did not want to raise a kid in that and yeah. that's now the choice she's having to make. But it's, yeah. it's certain words that he used. She asks, well, how come it didn't happen? And he says something, he says, I wore her down. And that mm-hmm. is so painful. It's not that he didn't want kids. He just didn't want to raise a kid in there and wore her down until eventually she gave that up. Yeah. And that's why he says to her, if you're deciding not to have the baby, never, ever tell David Mills that you were... Because it'll were- crush him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, there, there's, some, there's definitely something that she sees in Somerset that she's missing. And I feel like Somerset almost looks at her as if, like, this was me maybe 20 years ago or something, like there's similarities in behaviour of you can understand exactly how she's feeling. Yeah. Whereas Mills, not that he's, like, arrogant to how she feels because he definitely does try to, like, um. oh, what's the word? Like comfort her and say to her like it's not that bad it'll get better like they're both in completely different worlds of what they're willing to overlook
1: you're saying that he tries to comfort her and i i actually i could be wrong but i completely disagree i i think he just tries to tell her what she wants to hear oh it'll get better it'll be fine because yeah it, a bit of that yeah there's the scene where he comes home i can't remember it might actually be after the bar scene when he comes home and hugs into her, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I love you so much," and I believe that he does, right? But mm-hmm. even when he comes home and hugs her at that point, he he just he is actually the person that needs someone to hug after what he's just witnessed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's actually he he's realised that he needs her in that moment, and it, that could happen to her at any point. But I mean, you, you never see them doing anything like together. She is in the scenes where the police need her. And I think that is to show mm-hmm. the distance with him putting this, this job before her.
0: Although that is, like, that's what's coming across, I still feel like they both are, like, pretty much in love with each other because they are high school sweethearts and things. Mm-hmm.
1: It's mm-hmm. like in that
0: very first scene that we when we see um, them waking up and she's like, oh, you've got, like, trust in your eyes and everything, like that kind of thing. There is definitely, like, a, a, a strong connection of love, but you also get a feeling of, how long is this gonna last until he wears her down?
2: Yeah, it's it's almost like it's a combination of they do love each other, and I, I agree, I do believe they love each other, but also they don't know anything different from the second they'd yeah. be in high school, they've been together, and they don't have any, they don't have anything to compare it to. And I think that I think you see that a lot in life. People are together when they're really young, and yeah. they kind of they 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 don't know any different. And that's that's there's nothing wrong with that, but I think that's a guess it. It shows that type of relationship really well. I think it's really accurate the way they are with one another. The way he's sort of like, yeah, you love it, you love it. Come on, let's go, let's go. And I can't live without you. And oh, now we're going to move here, and now we're going to go to this horrible city. And and they just don't know any different. They they can't. They don't have anything to compare it to. They're all. They've always been together. And I think mm-hmm. that's a, I think that that's a really interesting thing that the film shows in their relationship. Yeah, you're never gonna. Yeah. I love that. I love that whole section when the train comes through and Morgan Freeman starts pissing himself laughing. I think yeah. it's just. Yeah, it's. Good. I love it, and it's sort of it's such an icebreaker. The the two of them, Gwyneth Paltrow and Morgan Freeman, they're laughing together. I just found that scene really. I found that whole touching. section really touching. Actually, the fact that she brought him to the apartment, and I don't imagine he's the kind of guy who gets invited to people's apartments a lot.
1: There's that scene where he starts working out. You know, the very first crime is, is even before the uh, gluttony crime. And he starts asking questions like, did the kids see it? And the cops are like, oh, why didn't he ask that? And then there's others, like, they think he's a bit weird. And then there's the scene yeah. where someone says to him, don't have that big brain of yours working. Um, So he's obviously almost that intelligent that I think... Mm-hmm. They're underestimating. Well, I, I think it threatens the masculinity of some of the other police officers. Yeah. And that's why he probably doesn't get invited, you know, out to the pub or to people's house for dinner. He seems very distant. And I think it might be that idea of people are threatened by by how clever he is.
2: Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think that's... And also he's not... There's no bravado about him because in the section when they're going to, with the SWAT team, to the, the, the sloth murder... Which, by the way, well, is horrifying. That's the one that really—that's <laughs> that's the one that really stuck out to me. But um hes, he's saying to Brad Pitt, "Oh, I've only ever—he's been working for what, thirty or however many years he's been working. He says I've only ever got my gun out. I believe it's three times with the intent of using it, and I never fired it. And then Brad Pitt kind of feels, if kind of reacts, kind of like, "Oh, I should one up him here. Like, oh, I fired my gun." And it's sort of like there's <laughs> there's no with Morgan Freeman, there's no and he goes Brad Pitt goes into that story about the guy that got shot and all these things. And but with Morgan Freeman, there's no he's not trying to show off or anything. He's just very very, very honest. You know, I've never actually used mm-hmm. my gun. And there's nothing there's no showing off there. I think that's something that people, especially men in that kind of environment, would be kind of
1: yeah. surprised by. Competitive. Kind of, oh, yeah, they probably mm-hmm. I don't think Brad Pitt is showing off in that scene. It's interesting different people's perspectives on it. I I actually think he's shocked that he's had to to do it because he he can't remember the guy's name and that that annoys him. And I think he can't remember the 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 guy's name because it was so traumatic. Right, me, I yeah. think there's a con, I think there's a connection there where it's funny that uh, Somerset has lived in these streets for so long and not had to fire, and Brad Pitt has lived on maybe a quieter city or a quieter town, mm-hmm. and has actually had to fire. There's a, there's this, a form of irony there. hmm mm. Yeah.
2: You get what you mean. He's probably thinking to himself as well, why this guy's been on the beat for 30-whatever many years and he's never fired a gun. Why have I?
1: Why? Mm-hmm. He's yeah. Probably, yeah. Anyway, I guess that was my, my first point. <laughs> your first point, I know. That was your first point. <laughs> um,
0: David, what's your first point?
2: My first point I had was just the overall concept of the film. I think it's just fantastic. Just the idea of this guy killing all these people in this brutal way that's relating to the seven deadly sins and the only... The only the two guys for the job are this guy right at the very end of his career, literally the last week of his work. This is that. This is his. That this is he's getting ready to get out, move out of that city, go to a farm somewhere, and then Mm -hmm. he has to work with this kind of a wise ass and a naive younger cop who's just been transferred. And they're the two guys. It's almost like they're the they're the only two guys for the job. The two of them have to work together despite all of their differences and their conflicts in order to bring this person down and I just think that overall concept is just it's just so clever and it's just really impressive I just really loved it and I was going to say something else about and also the fact that they don't they lose to be honest they don't win They, they Even though they catch... Well, they don't even catch the guy. He, they just lose on all levels. They don't even catch Kevin Spacey. He turns himself in. They just... Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. No, it, it brings... It's quite nice that you say that because it brings us to like the cop thriller aspect of most films is, you know, um, cop tracks down baddies. Um, usually the cop will track down baddies by outsmarting the killer, yep. finding a killer, saving the day at the end. And actually there's only one point well actually there's two points where the cops outsmart the killer to do that the cops have to break the law so the first one is with morgan Freeman. he um you know uses his fbi contact to see who's been taken out what in the library and that's obviously against the law that's why they have to keep that secret and then the next one is when they arrive at the door that that brings them to John Doe's door. There's that whole terrific chase scene. Brad Pitt gets the shit out of him basically, mm-hmm. but then he's so pissed that he breaks into the apartment. That's and bribes one of the the homeless or one of the uh, drug users into saying it. There was a, you know a crime committed mm-hmm. here. So the two of them, the only way they can actually outsmart John Doe is by breaking the law. Therefore, becoming um, villains in their own right, so to speak. The whole journey, they're on the back foot. Every time they find a victim, it's because John Doe has set up a clue to find the next victim. Mm-hmm. And that takes us all the way to the end. And David, 100%, um, 100% they lose at the end. And if you look at it, I would say, although it's like Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman and it's kind of that buddy cop aspect, it's Morgan Freeman who's the main the main character it's it's definitely his story it's his uh -hmm. retirement days it's him it has the voiceover at the end um and it's him it has the character arc because the whole way through it Mills is like oh we can save the city we can do good these people can be saved and Morgan Freeman's like nope rubbish Lot of shite blah 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 and then by the (laughs) end by the end he's the one that has a change of heart I mean he, he solves the case so if you if you take the synopsis that Rebecca read out earlier, he does solve the case, but what it costs him at what cost? Yeah, yeah.
0: no, yeah. absolutely. I, I really love the plot as well. Like as well, it's not one of those where it's like okay, he's killed him, he's killed him, and um, he's just going to go kill him now. but everything is meticulously planned to even the point that. The um is it Victor who's a sloth like that's been happening over a long course of time, so you're sort of thinking like what how like how long has um John Doe been thinking about all of this like yeah. he has planned absolutely everything, and even when they're in his flat and um he he phones them, and um they're talking to him on the phone, and he's like oh, right, okay, you've, you've caught up with me, you've found me. So that just means that um, my next plans are just going to be moved slightly, as if it's, like, a holiday or something, or, like, a work schedule.
1: Well, here, here's something to think about, actually, then, right? So um, the Victor character, he's had him tied to that bed for a year to the yep. exact day they shop at the apartment, right? Which means, as you are saying, everything has been planned out. Mm-hmm. However, I believe that the... Rath hasn't been. Because a year ago, he wouldn't have known that know, Pitt's character yeah. Mouse. So so then what causes him to change to Rath? Well, actually, it's because of how Mouse, I would say, breaks the law, shows up at the apartment, and basically is quite Breaks abusive. the rules, almost. He's, well, and he's abusive on the... He's angry on the stairwell.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, when all the news reporters are about. So if... And when all the news reporters are about and um, Mills is losing it, Somerset's like, you need to keep your head, you need to keep your head, this this won't help anything. And actually, because he didn't keep his head, John Doe goes after him. I wonder what Raph would have been if Brad Pitt um, behaved himself, because if Brad Pitt behaved himself, Tracy would then therefore still be alive. Mm. So it's actually the fact that Brad Pitt is a bit... um. He's a bit. What's the word? Um, a loose, cannon. a loose, yeah. He's a bit of a loose cannon. Yes, that actually then kills his wife. Basically,
2: I kept Mills. I just I didn't like him. I didn't like him. But in a, at first I thought it was. I actually thought it was maybe as Brad Pitt annoying me, and then I thought no, it's Mills. It's this character. He's so. I found him. I didn't. I didn't find him likable. He was just this kind of loose cannon. Really, rude. Really. Just a bit of a hot shot. A bit of a hot shot. And I thought, and it wasn't until near the end of the film and the scene when they're driving uh, to the final location where, of course, Tracy's you, you know, dead. And um, I thought, oh no, do you know something? It's not. It's, it's the character. It's the ca- I, He's just, I think Brad Pitt actually does, a. I was going through it going, oh, Brad Pitt's annoying me. And then I realised, no, he's doing such a good job that I don't like this character. I don't find him likeable. I find him quite annoying, to be honest. See, I,
1: mm-hmm. I f- I find him likable, and I think it's because, I put yourself in that like his shoes, right, where he's got himself transferred to this city that he thinks he can do good in it, and because he's young, and because, I mean, he, he says himself he's got a great track record, and he says to Somerset, "You've read my file, haven't you?" And Somerset's like, "No," and you go, "Well, maybe if you read my file, you, you can see that I'm actually relatively intelligent." I have solved crimes and nobody in the police force seems to be taking them seriously. Even when they turn around to their captain and it's like, look, if Somerset doesn't want this case, you know.
0: Then you're off it.
1: Then he's off it. Give it to me. Like, I'll I'll solve it. And like, the lieutenant's like, shut up. You know, and that's mm-hmm. the end of it. And you would be then become a bit more oh, like, nobody's taking me seriously here. And then you actually watch it because at first of all, you think, okay, he's going to be like the silly sidekick in this. And then as you watch it, you realize, no, he is quite clever. There's, there's one part that he, he solves when they're sitting having um, drinks and are looking at the case file and he, Morgan Freeman says something and it's from one of the books,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the, the, the Clifton Canterbury books. Canterbury Tales. And yeah, and um, Morgan Freeman is surprised that he knows and he's done his research and that's when Morgan Freeman starts to look at him in this new light and gives mm-hmm. him that wee bit of respect I actually think the uh, the character of Mills is is not to be taken lightly. like let's say you worked in a shop and you'd worked in a shop for six years and got transferred to another shop and they basically put you to the bottom of the food chain, you'd be like, Well no, look at look at my record.
2: Mm-hmm. And you
1: would be maybe a wee bit pissy and a wee bit of a, a hothead, I think. And
2: then and then you know, and then someone gets murdered in the frozen food section. <laughs> yes, you'd be like, I, can, I can solve this. I can do this. please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no you're no,
2: no you're right i i think i just find the there's a few points where he just goes totally off the handle and i'm like oh yeah keep your detective's head and you could yeah. really you could get some stuff saltier. here but then at the same time Somerset's not perfect either he's the one you know bribing the librarians and stuff like that to get stuff yeah so to get yeah
0: exclusive and I, access And, to... I, and, I, and I, I loved
2: that i loved that somerset wasn't the sort of straight and narrow cop who was like you know uh-huh. listen kid dad, you have to do things by the book he was like no i'm gonna i'm gonna pay this librarian to give me these files so i can find out this thing and i, I loved that about him i loved that he wasn't this just kind of goody two-shoes that there was that edge to him that he was willing mm-hmm. to break these rules in order to get the job done thought that was great yeah.
1: There is actually, you're just um, reminding me of a scene there. It's it's perfectly, it shows both characters and how they work together and you couldn't have one without the other. It's kind of like yin and Yang, um, where they're discussing, they've just worked out, I think, that it's the seven deadly sins and uh, Morgan Freeman says something like, oh, he's not to be messed with. And uh, Mills says, oh, please, he's probably sitting in his apartment rubbing peanut butter all over himself or something like that. And yeah. then later on he says, just because he's got a library card doesn't make him a genius. And that is what makes them Morgan Freeman think to contact his contact at the FBI and look up the library books. So mm-hmm. without Mills like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. without Mills even meaning it, he's like, he's just a idiot with a library card. It's like, Bingo, actually I never thought of that. So they kind of need each other.
0: This is gonna be a long session. <laughs> 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 we love the film too much. I think that's it's what it is. So good. Um, well, I'm going to move on to my first point.
1: <laughs>
0: um, and it is really, um, again, we have kind of touched on it a little bit, but just like the, the look and like the contrast of everything. Um, so I feel like the film has definitely got like a bit of a Gotham feel, like from Batman, um, where it's always dark, it's always raining. And I think I read that um, they deliberately filmed when it was raining it with continuity, <laughs> but I feel like it definitely adds something to the film as well. Um, but everything is just it just wreaks despair, really. Like, it's just such a miserable place. Like, even, um, so like, obviously, the murders are all very grotesque, very quite harrowing, um, and I mean, it's the Sins, so they will be amplified to sort of represent that. But even um, the people that Somerset comes in contact with, like if we take Somerset and Mills out of it, and Tracy, everyone is just, they speak about each other like crap. Um, even how the police treat the, the victims, like that very first one when we're um, visiting Gluttony, the police officer, like Somerset, is asking him, like, how long has he been sitting? I don't know. He stinks of, like, you know, um, death, <laughs> death, like urine and all that kind of thing. Like he speaks about him in a very derogative way. And when they find sloth, the sloth death as well, the police officer is like right up in his face and is going, "You deserve everything you get. You're disgusting. You're disgraceful. Like no one holds back." So when we get to that end and we're 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 um meeting John Doe and John Doe's like explaining why he's doing all of this, it's very. He's like, I mean, look how shitty everything is. I don't want to live like this. Like I'm, to- I've been tolerating it for so long, and things need to change. And in a way, you're kind of like. Everything is miserable. So is it. You know, obviously you would never go to the extent of doing what he did, but um, a bit like Somerset of how long can you possibly tolerate it? Are you going to join the misery or are you going to try and like do something about it? Particularly when um, Somerset is on his way to the library as well. I don't know, there's just something like, like everything else has been raining. He's driving down the street, people are screaming. I think there's like an accident or something he witnesses. And when he gets to the library... There's this kind of warmth, and it's almost as if that's kind of mirroring his his joy and interest and the intellectual things like books and things. That's his like safe haven.
1: That's actually segues nicely into my point, so I'm just going to blend the two of them, Rebecca, as well. Okay. But I think as well, yeah, the, the, the city is filthy, mean, and nasty. And what you're saying, like about Somerset, is he can only escape either into this library, and uh, or to his apartment, both of which are like safe and warm. So mm-hmm. in the library, he's got his classical music that plays. And then at home, he's got his pendulum that blocks out the noise. And if you even mm-hmm. take the security guards that's in the library, there's like, what, four of them? Like, no no library needs four security guards at that time at night. And to me, that's because they don't want to go outside in the rain and the miserableism or, yeah. or whatever else. They, they're they happy to maybe hang back after they are finished... Um, the day and play a game of poker or chess or whatever it is they're they're playing. And you're right about the the rain, for instance, as well. Like the only time that it's not raining is the very last scene, uh, out in like you know those that desert with the, the pylons. Mm-hmm. And I think there's probably something there that um it's safer in the city with the rain and the grittiness yeah. than it is out in the emptiness and opening with with John Doe. I think that's maybe what it's saying. is like you think you're now safe where it's not raining and you think you're in control mm-hmm. but actually you still got the the upper hands. But we've well, we even spoken about Mills' apartment. It's like, yeah, it's big but it's also it's also dingy. Mm-hmm. And it's just the brutality and the uncomfortable feeling that the film's got. Like even the weight of the first man that they find like the size Ugh. of him is like deliberately vile. Um, they they, they, they overemphasise it. And that's not including the disgusting apartment that he's surrounded by. It, the film's weird because the film actually shows you no real violence, just the aftermath of that violence. But mm-hmm. that's so grim and horrible as well. So yeah. for instance, that scene it was spoke about um, where the guys made carry out the sexual act on the female with the the bladed instrument like obviously it doesn't show you any damage, they enter that room uh, and Brad Pitt's body blocks the women from view, like from Mm -hmm. camera and instead Mm -hmm. what you get is the man sitting on the floor with that like blankety raincoat thing over him and it's just the shock on his face and his screams and that's so much worse because it's left to the the viewer's imagination your imagination, yeah the film like, I think it Pushes you to feel nauseated. Yeah. Yeah. Even to the point where, you know, you don't actually see what's in the box, like at the end. You don't see yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow's head. You just hear the, what's in the box, man? What's, what's in, the in the box?
0: <laughs> oh my god, is Brad Pitt here? I can't see <laughs> um, here,
1: This is an interesting thing, right? So we're all agreeing that the city is mean, it's ugly, the characters are mean and ugly, everything's vile. There's an element of realness to it, right? Like, the characters all feel very real. Brad Pitt's quite a handsome-looking man, but in this he's not. He just looks like a regular bloke. Um, But see if John Doe's character was killing, you know, corrupt lawyers, um, pedophiles, abusers, Mm
0: -hmm. mean
1: and nasty people. Maybe not the guy that's, like, over eight, or maybe not the prostitute, right? But these other characters that are full of corruption and, you know are doing really bad things, right? If he didn't kill them in such a nasty and hostile way, he'd be branded a vigilante. Mm-hmm. And that's why the character is so close to Somerset's. Is because they're hating what there's they're seeing. There's an art
0: in it as well, isn't
1: there? But the, Yeah, and that's what makes it more of a villain, more of a serial killer. It's, it's mm-hmm. like, there's passion there in what he's doing.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: if he was going up to these people and just you know, shooting them in the street and walking away it would probably be branded like, you know, vigilante rather than serial killer. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an interesting concept because, you know, not to bring it to this, but like, there's talks about how good Thanos is as a character and the Marvel things because he's so close to being a hero. It's just how he's going about doing it that makes him a villain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) John Doe at the end, when he's in that car, he says like, only in a world so filthy can you call these people innocent. That line
2: really did ring with me. I thought, you know, he does have he, he does for all the terrible, terrible things he's done. I know what he's saying there. I do think there's a few contradictions, as you said, with the the, the man who ate and the prostitute, and even I don't remember. I don't remember what the the pretty woman did either. The one that was so ugly. Uh-huh, I don't, and Tracy. Yes. <laughs> and but 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 his point. Yeah. But his points. I did go, well, we do live in a terrible world, actually, you're right, but um, the way he's gone about it is so grim, but then I suppose, as yeah. you said, you're so right, if he hadn't done that, he would just be a vigilante.
1: It's the, well, the thing with Tracy is, Tracy isn't part of his master plan. Uh, Tracy has to be killed in his eyes so is that um, Brad Pitt's Mills becomes wrath because his point is, he says it in the card as well, is that he brad admires pitt, him well you know he says to brad pitt you would kill me if you had the chance and brad pitt says no i wouldn't i'm nothing like you and he says that's because there's laws to follow and if you t- remove those laws you would have your way with me mm-hmm. and so it takes tracy for him to break those laws In that scene where they are in the back uh, sorry john doe is in the back of the car if you look at that scene morgan freeman actually doesn't really say much it's all Just, mills and yeah. john doe and it's because he's listening and actually believing everything john doe says and he's relating to it
0: mm-hmm. it'll resonate yeah. with him but that that's how we also get to envy as well because he's saying things like you're like is he winding them up when he's saying things like i really admire you i, I really i think you're wonderful blah 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 And then he starts like saying things like a beautiful wife and a baby on the way and things like. You're also like, who's who's sorry? Who's going to marry you and have kids with you? Like, why? (laughs) That
2: that's interesting that you say that because after I watched the film, I spoke to my mum about it and I said, she said, oh, so do you realise what the final sin was? And I said, oh, it was wrath. And she said, no, it was envy. She was like. It was envy because Kevin Spacey envied everything about that
1: life he had, and I, I didn't, I didn't really. I get what she was saying, but I didn't really f- agree with that. Maybe the maybe the envy then isn't so much just what Brad Pitt had, but people that can live a normal life surrounded by this filth, people who can go about and not notice it, and you know it doesn't bother them to to live in a life with there's so much wickedness. Maybe, you know, to have that that American dream home like that American family white
0: picket a, fence yeah
1: well maybe not yeah yeah maybe that's what they had before they moved to the city mm-hmm. yeah but the fact that people can go by so blind to what's going on around them and like can block out all this grittiness and filth on the streets which is obviously something that John Doe as a character can and then uh, that's his call to action well, it's obviously mm-hmm. not a very good call to action but um, that's what drives them isn't it is what's going on about him and to be so blind to that is maybe what he envies in a way that's why john doe wins as well Is because john doe doesn't want to live in a a life with this much filth and um sin basically he doesn't want to live in a life Mm -hmm. where there's so much atrocity that he'll he'll get killed and that's that's what he wants and that's why he wins as well (laughs) yeah it's amazing so well
2: written it's really well written
1: you even
0: have John Doe saying in the back of the car that people are gonna remember me what I've done and they're gonna remember you like we're all gonna be famous. So like prepare yourselves for it. I was actually
2: I was actually glad. Usually when you when you get a spoiler for a film you're kind of like, uh, I wish I didn't know that. But obviously because the ending of seven is so iconic, I knew that before I went into it. And I'm actually glad mm-hmm. I knew because that, that it gives that whole conversation in the back of the car when Kevin Spacey's in the back of the car you're such, and you're like oh he's saying these things like oh and Brad Pitt's been such a wise ass as you would be and he's just sort mm-hmm. of Kevin Spacey's just kind of going oh just you just you wait son and it's so like I'm so I, was, I was just watching it and I think at one point I did an audible oh ho, 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 like here we go this is gonna be can't wait <laughs> for it so yeah I'm, gl- I'm actually glad that I knew that going into it mm. yeah nice
0: What's your second point, David?
2: <laughs> uh, so my, my next two points are both very performance related. Um, my second point is I think that Kevin Spacey and Gwyneth Paltrow, despite hard despite really not being in the film that much, give really great performances. uh I think that obviously Kevin Spacey is a terrible person and can you know go in a hole and never come out in my opinion but he (laughs) the fact that he is he's he's talked about this entire film we're talking about this guy who's committing these horrifying crimes and then he's only in it for the last half an hour or so you're like oh my god that's him that's the guy that's done all this and he's just so he just plays it so well and despite being barely and not really in the film that much you don't he's not brushed over you remember him he's very memorable and I kinda knew that I thought that. I thought he would be like that. But the person that I was most surprised with was actually Gwyneth Paltrow. She's really not she's actually really not in it that much. She's only really in it for a couple of scenes. But she's so memorable. I just
1: mm-hmm.
2: you, you she's so believable. You really believe that she is this she's this woman who's kind of been brought here, kind of like she's not really a fan of being here. She doesn't want to be here. She's pregnant. She doesn't want to tell her partner because she doesn't know how he'll react, but also she doesn't want to raise a kid in this city. And mm-hmm. the scene in the, the... She's great in the scene where they have dinner at the house, there the flat, and with the subway and everything. But she's also great in the cafeteria scene when she's looking at him and she's... She just looks like a kind of lost soul. You just look at her and you think you shouldn't be here you shouldn't be in this city you don't belong here and her hair is so bright and she sort of she adds this brightness to the to the mm-hmm. to the cafeteria that is sort of out of place in this city I think she really takes that part and plays it so well in my opinion and I was really yeah. I was pleasantly surprised by that because I think her character especially is a character that could kind of be brushed over a little bit but I think she does such a good job at it
1: I think her performance, um, especially in that last scene, the way she just stays still in that box is just great. Like you don't even see her. No, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, shut up. I'm joking. Um, I I totally agree. Like the for the amount of screen time she's got, um, her her performance is so truthful and believable. And I I'm going to give that credit to David Fincher as well because. I'll give it credit to David Fincher, but also, like, the makeup and hair people and stuff like that as well, because she looks so normal as well. Like, she looks Mm -hmm. like someone that you could walk past in the street and they look like a normal person. And that's what I mean by, like, with Fincher, with, with something that's, like, like, everything seems so believable in this, and I think it's because he really pulls back the characters. Nothing's fancy, like, especially in that scene that you're talking about in the diner. Fincher uses basically over-the-shoulder shot, over-the-shoulder shot, close-up, close-up, and that's it. So he keeps the shots really simple as well. He just lets the actors act. And that's not to say that, you know, the camera's just flopped up anywhere. Like, obviously, that's taken into a lot of detail and consideration as well. But it's just positioned really nicely so that the actors can just be themselves and just act out the scenes. And And, yeah, they do it justice.
0: It does all feel very natural, if you're a fly on the wall, it's sort of the conversation just naturally flows and it's also very awkward as well, like as it would be inviting someone over for dinner that you've never really kind of like met before, like saying things like, oh, I'm sorry, it's a bit of a mess with not properly unpacked and things. I know that like that sounds a bit silly to say, but there is a definite like natural feel in the performances and you can tell that the actors do feel very at ease.
1: Another thing I've just thought of here, really, really quickly, it's just actually popped into my head is there's the scene that Rebecca was just talking about where they first enter Mills' apartment when they you know when he's been invited over for dinner, and Mills comes in. I think they hang up their jackets, or whatever, and he says, "How are the kids?" And there's this look in Morgan Freeman's eyes. It's like you've got kids here, but actually, he's talking about dogs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it, but it just shows you as well that that almost. I just thought, about there's a subtle look in Morgan Freeman's eyes. It's like, you've brought kids into this city. And mm. then that obviously comes full circle when later on you find out Tracy is actually pregnant and Morgan Freeman like, almost had a, a kid. And it just, it all, yeah, just be simple things like that that tie together as well.
0: I also like that bit as well where she says, what's your name? And he's, like, Somerset or whatever. And she goes, no, no, you're actually, your first name. Um, And then she goes, William David, David William. Like, that kind of idea of, like, you two are, like, human beings. You can connect. Yeah, it's, um,
1: al- it's almost, like, pulling away that masculinity that the both of them almost yeah. have at the start. The stubbornness. It? It's like, yeah, and it's, like, you know, just chill. Like, mm-hmm. these, aren't, these, aren't, um, these aren't police officers in this house. And that goes to the point where... Uh, Somerset goes to the movies jacket and she sees the gun and he's like it's okay I won't I won't wear it to the dinner table. Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: So my second point is going to be the comedy relief in the film. It's always good having a bit of light when something is so dark, especially a film like this. But um yeah, like so like the vibrating home, like joking about that, um the sort of relationship between both Mills and Somerset when they're like putting the mics on and they're like shaving their their chest and like Brad Pitt makes a joke of like oh better watch my nipple and all that kind of thing and um oh yeah the, the bit where they're kind of like in the desert and they've taken John Doe out and um, they're like there's nothing here and there was like oh there's a dead dog and John Doe, go, John Doe goes oh that wasn't me by the way <laughs> like that's got nothing to do with what we're doing here today and also there's the, the, the bit where um, is it the captain where he answers the phone and it's not his desk like that's quite funny as well like there are some kind of real comedy moments like just to kind of add a bit of relief and bringing you a little bit back into reality because I think if you're watching something so heavy it's always good to get a bit of a break from it and have something something a bit different a bit of a contrast.
1: Rebecca's just stealing my points so she is <laughs> my last point was the comedy moments as well. <laughs> um, no, I do agree that it is a really dark grim film and it would be a lot like if there wasn't these wee comedy moments, um, would you go back to it as much? Because there would be no light relief. But yeah, like another one that we've kind of discussed is just that scene where Miles goes into his new office, but Somerset's still there, and Somerset has to go over to like the wee desk table at the side, yeah. and then the phone goes.
0: With the rubbish chair.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the train rumbling, I love. It's one of my favourite scenes. It's great, it. yeah, I love that. It's as if Somerset he just can't control himself and really... See that way where you're mm. told not to laugh at something and you're trying to hold it in and the more you try to hold it in, the more you start smiling and then someone else smiles and then... And it's as if Somerset hasn't laughed in years.
0: Yeah, it does feel like a big release, doesn't it, when you laughs?
1: Yeah, and there's the scene just after it and it's so subtle that you might actually miss it, but when they're going over the investigation after that and Miles says to Somerset, I'm going to get a beer. do you want one? And... Somerset says wine please mm-hmm. and then they come back in and it's come back in they're discussing it he picks up his glass to take a drink and it's he's poured wine into like a pint glass and it's yeah. just the way it, it just picks it up and like analyzes it and it, again it just shows you the contrast between the two characters <laughs> that Somerset would never serve that in a pint glass
0: yeah <laughs> uh, so that was your last point Gary so yes. what's your final point David
2: my final point, I've just wrote Morgan Freeman. I've not even wrote anything else. <laughs> I've just wrote Morgan Freeman. I think his performance is astounding. I think it's I think he carries the film. He he there's a subtlety to it that's just excellent. He's just despite the fact that it's Morgan Freeman, the you know, the guy with the iconic voice and the narrator's voice, and it's you know, he's such a such a recognizable figure. He's so believable and so excellent at this role of William Somerset he just Mm -hmm. everything about it he plays the drama really well he plays the comedy really well and the sarcasm he how he doesn't really say anything in the car with John Doe but you can tell he's taking it all on board and he's going yeah the
1: the gears are turning in that Ah, scene yeah
2: he's he's not even really saying anything and I think that there's just a brilliant subtlety to it that's just so He's just wonderful, and I, I agree when you said uh, that it was your favorite Morgan Freeman performance, Gary. I, I think it's—I think it may be my favorite as well now, actually.
1: And then, if you think of like what comes next in Morgan Freeman—Morgan Freeman's career—it was well, this wasn't all he did, but it was the Alex Cross cop detective. You know, along came a spider. Oh and yeah. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that. They came I did after wonder this.
0: if that was all linked.
1: Yeah, they but came it's after not? This. So I wonder. I don't think they're linked, but I think what's happened is like like. You know, he can clearly play a, play a yeah. detective, get him in to do these. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he could read this script to me, even though it's so grim and I would still fall asleep at night. He's got such a soothing <laughs> <boys>, but... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: voice. Mm, yeah, Morgan Freeman is also my final point too, so that's perfect. Um, but yeah, his performance is just wonderful. There's a, a great ease about... Morgan Freeman. Anyway, whenever he comes on the screen, like everything just feels quite effortless. It feels like the role, like the character, like breathes. It's like got this life to it. That's just so like easy and mesmerising to watch. And um, I think this role is just just perfect. He just brings. I couldn't imagine anyone else playing this role. Uh, lovely. Well, does anyone else have any other points or any? Um areas for development, as I like to call it now. <laughs> um about the so. film.
1: Um we've not really spoke about the, the, the murders, I guess. We've spoken briefly on them, but I just think as a writer, like how creative they are, like each one. Yeah. I know they're they're they grim and hard to look at, but just like you know, like we gluttony like just overfeeding someone um, the scenes with the the model, you know, it's either mm-hmm. you can, what is it? She can,
0: she cuts the nose off to spite her face.
1: Yeah, and she can either save herself by phoning the pl- an ambulance or like you know take all the pills, and you know, and I think some of these killings probably inspired like the Saw franchise.
2: And another another wee thing I noticed was uh, just talking about how you were saying it about the Saw franchise. See the opening credits. They look, yeah. they they look like they they're amazing, but it looked like American Horror Story had basically copied and pasted them into their show. Yeah. Like it just, so I was, much. I was, I was watching it going, "This is American Horror Story." That's exactly how that, that opens, even right, yeah. right down, right to the music, the kind of, the the kind of sinister sort of low key music. I was like, "This is, this is American Horror Story, one hundred percent." And I, yeah. but it was just yeah. great. I loved that. I loved the whole. I, the second I saw the opening credits, I was. Totally. I was invested. I was like, oh, this is going to be a great film.
1: And Fincher does that as well. He likes to like almost, the opening credits, like, hit a nerve. And I think they do it with these. Same be like, the girl with the dragon tattoo. It's like, they almost, like, go up in volume. So it's like, are you paying attention? Now you are.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've got you now. Yeah. Yeah. I I would also agree, Gary, the Seven Sins just, like, the makeup artistry and, like, the the effects on that, like, mm-hmm. they are going... It's going to just stick with you forever. Like, yeah. whenever you think of this film, you're going to be thinking of uh, gluttony, sloth. And, and even that moment when... So, when sloth... um, Obviously, we find out that he's actually still alive somehow um and you see him in the hospital and they're asking the doctor like are we able to speak to him is there anything we can find out and he's like eh, no he's chewed his tongue off mm. <sighs> like it still lingers like yeah. it doesn't disappear
1: what do you think's the most gruesome one then what's the one that gives you the shivers the most it's, it's
2: it's it's sloth for me 100 percent. i think it's the fact that he's not dead i think it's the fact that he's been lying in that bed for
1: a year i mean i know lust is also
0: oh yeah, lust is just <gasps> harrowing. It's just
1: terrible. I think that's the worst one for me. What I want to know why as well. It's because you see the, yeah. the crime scene, but you don't see anything. Then it cuts to the investigation, and you just see the photo get placed down on the, the, the desk, and you know just from that one shot what's occurred. And I yeah. think, again, it's like you've not seen anything. All you're seeing is a photograph of an instrument, and you're like, oh, my Oh my, <laughs> and yeah. I think that's just real clever, clever storytelling.
0: Yeah, it's terrible.
1: I guess my only other note says the fact that um I just hate bringing up his name, but Kevin Spacey wasn't in the the opening credits deliberately, so that he didn't know he was going to be John Doe, and I think that's oh. interesting. Like they deliberately kept his name out of it, out of that, out of the marketing, out of everything, and mm. that scene as well where he walks into the police station just shouting, "Detective!" As just so haunting as well, because they don't catch him, he gives himself up. His entrance is just spectacular. It's just it's so easy, isn't it's it? It's so easy. It's
2: so it's it's near the end of the film. He's been talked about all this time, and here he is, just screaming. And he's like, "Here I am. You've you've got me now. You've got me here. I am." And he he hands himself in, and they they must be like, "I was like, God, they didn't even catch him." They didn't even, like, they didn't even, he handed himself in, he's orchestrated this so well that they don't even catch him, he gives himself up.
1: I also think that says something about his point of view of, like, even though he says that he respects them and he admires them, the fact that they're oblivious to this guy walking in covered in blood just shows how bad this city is. Oh yeah. A guy can walk fully into the middle of a police station exactly. covered in blood. The two cops that are chasing him; don't even notice him. Neither does anyone else. And I just think that says something about the, the world they're living in.
0: Does he not even get a taxi there as well? Yeah. Like he's like, just <laughs> drop me off here, thanks, and walks across the road. And then at the petrol, and Petrus is in the police station, and everyone's yeah. like, "Morning." <laughs> just...
1: Taxi driver's like, "Oh, not another one covered in blood."
0: I know. He's like you got lot you got long left to go, eh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> You've been busy. <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs> John Doe probably told him, I'm just gonna have committed all these horrifying crimes. I'm gonna turn myself in and the tax driver's probably like, oh, okay, cool,
0: that's cool, have a good day. He's like, Well I finish in an hour. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm so gutted at like how tragic it is. Um yeah it just always sticks with me. And again, it's like one of those things where I really don't want the film to finish because I know how it's going to end and I'm like, oh no, and you're almost shooting at the TV. Like, don't do it, David. Don't shoot him. Like, blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, it's just such a sad ending but I also really love it. So
2: A conventional cop thriller i feel would have somerset and mills looking at a board putting the pieces together and then going oh my god he's going for tracy and right as she's about to get her head chopped off they catch yeah. him that's how and she gets away and she survives but the fact that he just totally venture just totally turns it on its head and it's like no no she's been she's dead like there's there's not evidence, there and they didn't even come close to realizing that they didn't even you know weren't even nearly going to crack it is really clever yeah. And there was another yeah. there was a, there was another little thing just on the the apartment. It's a little positive thing that I, I really like. The little touch I liked was when they are searching the apartment um and Mills is in the photography development part and he's looking at all of the pictures, his torch starts flickering. And I loved that because it was just a little touch I thought it's almost mm-hmm. like it's almost like Such atrocities have been planned here that the room's almost cursed. Like there's this curse that there's something something supernatural and sinister has been awakened in this
1: apartment. The room is so evil that no light is allowed in. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, Fabulous. Well, after that very long discussion, (laughs) after all of that, um, has anyone's ratings changed at all?
2: Plop it up to a 9.5. I'll yes. go to nine and a half. I, I knew I would. I, I knew I would. To be honest, I just I didn't want to come in, you know, too strong and be like, "Well, I'm going to give it." But I, I loved it. I, definitely an amazing movie. I'm
1: so glad I picked that. I'm so glad that I, I finally watched it.
0: Um, I'm still sticking with my nine point five as well.
1: Ah, oh, well, after that discussion, I can't really go down the way, can I So this I have true. to stay. <laughs>
0: I've peaked. You have to stay where you are. Well, we're now going to take a little break, and when we return, we will be back with our quiz, our fun fact of the day, and our short film recommendations. Okay. I just don't think I can continue to live in a place that embraces and nurtures apathy as if it was a virtue. You're no different. You're no better. I didn't say I was different or better. I'm not. Hell, I sympathize. I, I sympathize completely. Apathy is a solution. I mean, it's, it's easier to lose yourself in drugs than it is to cope with yeah. life. It's easier to steal what you want than it is to, to earn it. Yeah. It's easier to beat a child than it is to raise it. Hell, love costs. It
2: takes effort and work. We are talking about people who are mentally ill. We are talking about people fucking crazy. No, no, yes. we're not, no, 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 no. We're, we're, we're talking about
0: everyday life here. You you, you you can't you afford do. to be this naive. Fuck off. See, you you should listen to yourself. Uh, you say that the problem with people is that they don't care. So I don't care about people. It makes no sense. You know
1: why? Uh, you, you you care. You, you want to know? Damn right. And you're gonna make a difference. Whatever. The point is, is that I don't think you're quitting because you believe these things you say do i think you want to believe him because you're quitting
0: and we're back for our quick fire quiz round so gary and i are going to ask david five questions each based on the film
2: yeah can i just say i'm so excited like i have a, I have a sort of <laughs> excited nervous energy for this quiz
0: <laughs> this is i think this is the first guest that i've heard that's ever went i'm excited for the quiz everyone else hates it
2: I mean, I, I I will say, just to pre-warn, I could do absolutely
1: terribly here, but I'm still excited.
0: <laughs> Lovely. Well, Gary, do you want to ask the first question?
1: Sure. Okay, question one. What year was Seven released? I
2: think it was officially released in 1995, however, in the UK, it came out in the 5th of January
0: 1996, so I'm
1: glad you you asked that question, that's a good start. Yes, 1995 is correct. (laughs) Woohoo!
0: How many Deadly Sins were there?
1: Oh, well, seven.
0: Yes. (laughs) That was, come on, that that
2: was a bit too easy.
1: At the film's opening, how long is it before Somerset intends to retire? I'm going to say
2: exactly a week.
1: As one week, yes. One week,
2: great. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> um, what was Tracy's profession?
1: Was
2: she a teacher?
0: Yes.
1: Where does Somerset find the word gluttony written? He finds it. He finds it behind a fridge. Does he not? Yes.
0: <laughs> um, both Somerset and Mills come across John Doe prior to the ending when was this? it's when
2: he's the photographer in the staircase I thought that that was just to say, just to go on a little segue I thought that was genius
1: Okay. Perfect. what the message is hidden behind the painting in the lawyer's office which is upside down mm. so go, oh
2: it's the it's fingerprints it, help me, it's
1: fingerprints Yes,
2: yes, well done.
0: How long had it been since Victor Sloth had been kidnapped?
1: Oh, it was a year to the day. Mm-hmm. Bit of a tricky one here, so I'm just letting you know. <laughs> really think about it. Okay, okay. What city is the film set in? It's never said, it's never specified. Is that Correct! Was, I, was
2: going through the, <laughs> I was going through the whole film going, are they in Chicago? Are they in New York? Where are they? And then I thought, oh, they've
0: yeah. deliberately,
1: I feel like they've deliberately not said here. Yeah, they've not said, because mm. um, then it would um, give that city a bad name.
0: Yeah. Mm. No, you could get 10 out of 10 here, David.
1: <laughs> okay, so before you say it then, we've had two guests so far. You okay. Managed to get ten out of ten. Can you be uh, number three? I hope so. I hope so. There's a lot writing on this. I know. Right.
0: I know. I'm scared in case I mess it up. <laughs> How long has Somerset been a police officer?
1: Oh no!
2: Oh, you've stumped me. <laughs> I don't. Uh... I'll take a punt and I'll say thirty-four years.
0: You are joking me. That's it, the right answer. <laughs> is it actually? Yeah. It,
2: it must have been it must have been somewhere in the back of my head. Yep,
0: yeah, thirty-four years. No
1: way. Well done. Well, well done, done, David. So oh. that is David, um, Jason Kibasi, and Katrina Allen, who have all got ten out of ten in the quick fire quiz. Well no I'm happy to be in such esteemed company. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very happy with that. Thank
2: you very much. <laughs> I read a thing. I was looking into things about the film and research in anticipation for this quiz. Actually, I thought, "Oh, what are they going (laughs) to ask me here?" And I saw a fan theory that said um, there's a theory that it's actually set in Gotham. Obviously, this probably Mm. wasn't ever David Fincher. Probably never even thought about this, but it's there's a theory that it was set in Gotham before Batman, Mm. and that uh, it's like before he starts, you know, saving the day. All the terrible crimes that were being committed in Gotham. I thought that was quite an interesting little theory.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, lovely. Well, now we're going to share our fun facts of the day. Um, Gary, what's your fun fact of the day?
1: Okay, so mine is that the astronauts' footprints on the moon will probably stay there for at least a hundred million years. <gasps> oh
2: wow! And that's that...
1: because there is no wind or water to erode or wash away the footprints. Wow, that is spectacular. That's cool. That is yeah, cool. I like it. That is actually a fun fact, not just a fact. That is a very fun fact. I'm loving that.
0: I don't want to say mine now because it, mine sounds
1: rubbish. Is yours grim?
0: No, it's not grim, but it's just like very much like, oh astronauts, and then mine's is. Go for it. <laughs> Bananas glow blue under black lights. They
2: That's really? cool. That is pretty cool. I've- I yeah. don't
0: know, I don't know if I'll get to try it. I don't have a black light, but I thought with the whole like crime theme, I was like, mm. oh, that's quite interesting. but yeah to the everyday eye, under normal conditions, ripe bananas appear yellow due to organic pigments.
1: I actually prefer your fact to mine, so. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think they're both pretty
2: great. Actually, it's a bit of a toss-up. I think the astronauts. Uh, stop, David! Stop. I oh, know. You <laughs> 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 I, think, and no, I think astronauts actually wins out a little bit. I think that's fascinating. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. So my fact is um, now there could be some history majors or anything who could totally um, message you guys and be like, "That fact is utter rubbish. It's not true," but. Apparently, uh, French was the native language of England for over 400 years.
1: Mm. Mm. I could believe that. Yeah. yeah,
0: because they were they were um, a lot of Americans. Like they they've got a close relationship to French. A lot of them spoke French as well. And I think was it not actually in our chat, David, that someone said herbs? Like the Americans say herbs instead of herbs. Because of the whole like yeah. French. Oh, maybe they
2: do, yeah. I think we did have that discussion.
0: Yeah. Um so just to round off the show, we're now going to recommend a short film that we've all watched and enjoyed recently and where to find it. Um Gary, what's your short film recommendation?
1: So my short film is an animation called Oh Sheep. <laughs> 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 uh and it's it's really, really Good, I, I was in stitches watching it. So it's basically about two shepherds who attempt to keep their flock from each other so as they don't get them mixed up and the sheep just want to, you know, merge and get to know each other. But the use of music and symmetry is amazing and it's comical and it's bright and it's fluffy but it's also kind of dark <laughs> and gory. I mean, it's not it's not seven dark <laughs> but <laughs> parts are quite gruesome. Um but it's just weird and, and fun. So yeah, it's called Oh Sheep and it's on YouTube.
0: Hmm. That sounds good. Um I also went with an animation. Um I think just something to sort of lighten the mood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, it's an animation called Spring. Um and it's about uh like a sheep girl, I think, or like a shepherd, um and her and her dog. And I had quite a lot of brave vibes as well, because there's a lot of like discovery in the woods of um and there's like magic and like mystical powers and things. But um not a word spoken, so it was really clever use of like sound and um the animation as well. So yeah, really like that one and that can be watched on YouTube as well. Lovely. Uh, Mines
2: can also be watched on YouTube. Um, I actually got this recommended uh, to me for this podcast by Amber, uh, Rebecca, our friend Amber Conway. And it's called, you might have already, it's quite famous, it's called The Silent Child. And um, actually Mm. it won an Oscar uh, for Best Short Film. And it's basically, it's the writers, they're discussing, they they were raised by deaf parents and the film is basically about... um, Not totally about their upbringing, but it's based on their upbringing being raised being a child who can hear but being raised by deaf parents, and it's just a really touching, lovely story.
1: Hmm. Oh, that sounds nice. Is that though? I might have seen that. Is that the one? It's by the. Was it not like the filmmaker is from Hollyoaks? It's British. Yes, 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 yes. That's exactly. it. Yeah, I've seen that. I I highly recommend that film as well. Actually,
2: it's very, very good. It's very
0: good. Oh, I need to Mm -hmm. check it out. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us and kicking off our cop thriller theme. Um, also for picking seven, it's been amazing.
2: Yeah. no, listen, thank you so
1: much for having me. It's been a blast. I've really enjoyed it. The most important part of that was you also went up half a point on the film.
0: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> oh definitely. I can of knew I
1: would, to be honest, it is a uh, sounding <laughs>
2: film, but it, yes,
0: Thank you. Um, and can you let our listeners know where they can find you on social media and keep up to date with any projects or any other works that you're working on?
2: Yes, absolutely. So I will be on Instagram. Uh, that's my main platform. I also have Twitter. Uh, but on Instagram, it will be David McKnight and then a little underscore. And you will see... I've, I've sort of started to... It's one of the main things that's been recommended at New College Lanarkshire, actually is get yourself on social media, like really and just promote your work so if you have a little look there and give me a little follow you'll see what i'm up to
0: lovely perfect um and i'm rebecca riddle and you can follow me on instagram at riddle rebecca and twitter riddle r
1: and i'm still gary and you can <laughs> follow me at hewittgpro on instagram and on twitter
0: and if you've loved this episode, please like, share, subscribe, tell all your friends and family. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please remember to rate and review the podcast. We'd also love to hear all your comments, so please send those through on choosefilmpodcast at hotmail.com.
1: You can also follow the podcast at Film Choose on Twitter and choosefilmpodcast Podcast on Instagram
0: you've been listening to Choose Film Podcast and join us next week for our discussion on the film Knives Out
1: thanks bye, bye. this conversation can serve no purpose anymore goodbye goodbye